This episode of Vic's Basement is brought to you by Sony and the PlayStation 4, which comes out November 15th. Greatness awaits, and I can't wait for mine. Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hello, Scott Jones. Hello, Victor Lucas. How are you? What's I'm happening? Good. I'm What's good. going on? What, you have a, like a note page. What, what's happening? Are well, you doing pre-production? Uh, I, do. I, I thought we had a, a, an agreement here. No pre-production. Well, I know that our conversation is supposed to be made up on the fly, just like the scat singers of yore. It, well, it is on my end. Uh, but but I always keeping notes? I have a few things that I want to talk about are on you, the show. Are you keeping notes on what I'm saying? Listen to me. Are you documenting There's me? a reason why I'm still working here. <laughs> it's because I take notes. Okay. All right? I'm a professional. All right. Well, I know I like to pretend like I'm all carefree and everything, but I'm actually, I take my job I, very seriously. I'm impressed. I want to be good at my and job. And I'm a little awestruck and I'm a little dumbfounded, but and on that note. a little note, disappointed. <laughs> and a little disappointed. On that note, we have to uh, acknowledge our fantastic friends at Sony and the PlayStation 4 for sponsoring Vic's Basement. Yeah, we'd like to thank Sony for yes. sending us our PlayStation 4. Did you but get yours? No, we don't have You didn't get, get yours? No. I, I got mine. Did you get yours? Yeah, it's amazing. What? The, what? Well, it's got a waffle maker in it. Uh, uh, so no, that's, I think that's the George Foreman thing. But it plays games. No, that's different. And it makes food. No. It, it, do, it's, it only not, does everything. No, that was the last one. Oh, this one's very specific to games. Well, it comes Sony, out on November 15th. Please send PlayStation it to us. 4. We are very excited. We should, keep should talking we, about should it. Should we list the address here? Yeah. 305 Don't list the address. Maybe they don't have it. No, they, I don't think they want to hear well, it. You on, know, as an probably audio all, the, all the NBA superstars got theirs. Yeah, well, Kanye's got his. Yeah, it's very important that Kobe Bryant is sitting there with a, He's got a, it. a PlayStation 4 in his. In his uh, what does he drive? A jet? He drives whatever he wants. Whatever. He drives to the hole. <laughs> he doesn't drive to the hole. <laughs> it's basketball hey, did, talk. Did, did you see uh, Michael Jordan in the video? Did you watch any of that no, stuff? Oh, what video? And For NBA what? 2K14's got a new video out there with Michael Jordan, and it What's, was awesome to see. Is, it. He, is he? I mean, the real Michael Jordan? The or real like the, Michael the Jordan. He's one. talking about his uh, his career a little bit, and then somebody asks him. You know, if he was playing anybody in, in the uh, NBA going one-on-one, who would he beat? And he, he, he very confidently and uh, truthfully and honestly and, uh, and probably rightly so mentions that he could beat anybody except for maybe Kobe Bryant, who always steals his moves. Well, oh. Which was really great. But, you know, I thought awesome. we'd all kind of decided that Michael Jordan, as great as he was, is kind of a selfish prick. Well, listen, you have to have the, the magnified ego if you're going to play the game at that level. You do, level. but you can be nice, though, too. I, I don't know. I, I think he, he He's done is, so many terrible things. He, all of the, uh, the superstars in the league, when they are, get pumped up like that and they sort of claim thrones like that, you've got to carry a whole bunch of baggage with Who's you. Who's the one who had all the sex? Will Chamberlain? Yeah. Man, exactly, precisely. Like, he had a there's lot so of much sex. boasting that has to go on to be at that level. I forgive Michael Jordan. He but may I have had some gambling things. He may there might be some other dark have. stuff. Well, what about Tiger Woods? I don't forgive that guy. That guy's a douchebag. Because he had it all. He had a family, man. He had a, he had he everything. He still got it all. He just doesn't have his family anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. That, it was too much. That's ridiculous. But listen, they're people. That's all they are. We need to accept the fact that they're people, and we live Except in an for age. Michael Jordan. We live in an. He's he's a god, right? right. Okay. He's but we a live god in an age. We're lucky to have where, seen. But he came up in the eighties and nineties, and I so that, back then we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have the microscope. The microscope was there, but it certainly right. wasn't as powerful. So he survived. As it is now the uh, the media onslaught. You're, the, you're a basketball fan. I'm yeah. not really. I could. I, bo- it's god, so boring man. for he me. Broke on a, he he. he was winning championships on a broken foot. I like football. Football's is I like, like gladiators. baseball. Baseball's uh, very slow Fo- paced. Football's like basketball. gladiators. Baseball's very slow paced. <laughs> basketball is, Listen, is grace and we're beauty. We're losing a lot of listeners. Right All right, now. okay, we're Let's talking sports. Back. But anyways, Michael Jordan. It was exciting to get see him back, back out in the line. And, and uh, I was talking to one of our producers, and he said that Michael Jordan might be playing Who? in a game. Why can't you name him? Ryan. Ryan. Nicholas. Oh, okay. I thought Dude. he was in the witness protection. No, program. he's he's still with us. He he was uh, he was saying that uh, Michael Jordan might be actually playing in a league game this year. Might be a surprise. Uh, I don't care. I'm excited, I could man. care less. Let's talk about gravity. All this right. is from uh, Alfonso Caron. Alfonso Caron. That yes. is the uh, Caron. That is the the proper pronunciation. We say saw, it with us. And we saw. Uh, We're the two last critics on Earth to see this movie. Yeah, but we saw Machete Kills and Gravity. Okay, so on the same day. Okay, well, oh, we can talk about Machete Kills. Yeah, and it was. Um, 
It was quite uh, a day. It was a it was Mexican Cinema Day. You know. Well, we also went to La Taqueria. Yes, Is we that did. what it's called yeah, over by uh, Broadway yeah. and Camby? I can't believe I said the name of it. If you feel like sending us a free case of tacos, <laughs> yeah. we would not say no. We ate too many tacos. We ate a but lot it of was, tacos. It was a weird celebration of Mexican. And then uh, I went to a chain culture. restaurant and had a burrito. I don't want to say which one. Starbucks. We start, I, have my, I always get my burritos at Starbucks. <laughs> I get my Starbucks and uh, my burrito flavored latte there. Um, yeah, but it was crazy to see all day uh, long. It was Rodriguez all Mexican and Alfonso Caron uh, firing on all cylinders on the uh, big screen of their respective uh, talents. I, I and don't their know if Rodriguez is firing on well, his too cylinder. many. He's his one cylinder his that cylinders. still works. But yeah. gravity, holy crap, man! That was, was good. That was amazing. It was. Uh, it was good. You know, I, I likened it to Saving Private Ryan, which was equally visceral and, and uh, you know, breathtaking, but also had a little bit of uh, maudlin, melodramatic kind of stuff in there sappiness, with monologues. A little yeah, sappiness. And then a sure. little sappiness creeps into uh, gravity. But I don't know how you navigate through that and make a, a film that, you know, connects with everyone without it getting a little sappy. You, you know? can. You can make great movies. You can you can make a really good movie, or you can make a great movie. And I think he's made a really good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think technically it's very interesting. I love the fact that this is one of those movies. And I tried to say this in the review, but I didn't quite yeah. express myself because you know we're making it up as we go. We don't right. have scripts on the show. Nope. Uh, but I like the fact that it starts to take on the weight of metaphor, and I think that's always the sign of a good movie. I started thinking about. You know what? It, you know what does all of this mean? And yeah. I started thinking. You know, our is it all about the fact that we have turned ourselves into these technological creatures now with Twitter and the internet and everything? And that what Coron is saying is that we need to get back to the earth and put our fingers back in the mud and escape back to the, you know, to the real humanness of it all and to shoo our space capsules and leave behind our spacesuits. And there are a number of scenes in the movie that I was not unhappy to see where Sandra Bullock takes off her spacesuit right. and uh, puts on another one. Yeah, I think you know? that's, a, that's a very lucid observation for sure. And I think that he is absolutely saying that, you know, having so much reliance and, and uh, uh, belief in the safety of the technology around us is ultimately going to be very destructive. Right. Um, We're going to end up with a Houston in the blind. But I also think that there are, yeah, absolutely. And I, but I also think that there are messages there uh, purely about the um, problems that, NASA and other space agencies around the world are facing right now that are very real and very uh, important to the entire planet. We need to clean up all of the debris of the debris that's uh, orbiting our Earth. I don't know Earth. if there was too much of it. For me, I didn't really but see it, a lot I mean, of environmental was, there messaging. A, there was a lot of science in this movie. No, I'll you tell know? you what it is. It, it captured the wonder and the horror of being in outer space as effectively yeah. as any outer space movie it's, ever has. It's it very implausible, though, that there would be anybody in a spacesuit doing a spacewalk that had the the hypertension and the nervousness of a Sandra Bullock. You know, like her character just was. Uh, you, you know, felt like she wasn't credible enough. Yeah, she was very proje projecting this this uh, air of not really being suited to the task. But I think and I don't think too many people get sent off uh, up into space that are not fully screened and, and if you uh, remember, set up. To like be when they there. were celebrating the space shuttle and everything, they yeah. were they were putting regular citizens into the space shuttle. Remember the teacher that yeah, went up and the, the one that the, exploded. The training is unbelievable. No, I know that people. for sure. But yeah. but I think that there, I think that that is the link that Coron was was looking for. Sure. He was he was trying to link up the fact that we were trying to put regular scientists into space a little. I don't know. I bought it. I went with it. It had you know we we know I mean, right away at the beginning of the movie we don't realize her ineptitude you know uh, later in the movie we know right away that she's fumbling and she's trying to figure out you know she's the foreigner up there George yeah. Clooney's character they are just human who, for sure. who's whose name I can't remember Mike Kowalski I think his yeah. name is he uh, he's the more he's he's bored he's the up there yeah he's right, just yeah. like I've seen it all I'm yeah. zipping around in my space thing and uh, I mean if there was if there were some false notes in there it was mostly God, I sound so pretentious sometimes. But it, 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 it was know? whenever you know George Clooney was like, "God, the sun's coming up over there. Look mm -hmm. at it over there." And I'm just like, I don't buy it. You know, yeah. there are some. Th there are lots. There's lots that I was buying, and I, I do think this is worth twelve fifty, and I think it's worth seeing in three well, I mean, D. That's, that's what it reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. There would be this, uh, you know, dull, lull in all of these, com you know, combat shells and sequences 
in the film, and then everybody would stop for a monologue and reflect on their their life overseas or you know yeah, what they were missing. So I at never home. liked Private Ryan. I have to tell you, it was never one of my favorite. I movies. mean, it's it was a, a completely revolutionary film because it made us look at the way that you know combat affects human beings in a in a way that no movie before ever had, apart from maybe Schindler's List. Sure, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think that there are some flaws in that film for sure, and I think that there are a few flaws with Gravity. I think they're they're more surmountable in Gravity, uh, a because there are less people on screen, and b because it flies by, no pun intended, relatively yeah, quickly. Yeah, I like how minutes. it's super spare. Yeah. I mean, there's no time to waste. There's no you know lost like flashback to no. anybody's life. We really don't. We spend like a, a bit of a spoiler. We spend like thirty seconds on Earth and the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And, but you're but when you're in space with Sandra Bullock's character, you're thinking about Earth. Yeah. As hard as you can think about Earth, because you want to get there too, yeah. as the viewer. And you think about everything and everyone that's important to you on Earth as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I kept thinking, like I always think in terms of, you know, am I aware of the machinery of this movie? Am I lost in this experience? And part of it was that it's we don't see these things in a vacuum. We've been hearing about gravity for right. a year now. Right. Like it's been the darling of the critical hyped. world. Yeah. Very hyped. Yes. Right. And so we sit down, and it's hard not to fold your arms and furrow your brow and think. So what's so great about impress this? Impress me, movie. Yeah, impress me, movie. Yeah. And I saw I, I, and that's unfortunate because it doesn't do the movie any favors. Knowing so much going in, having so much, of the, having more backstory than there is movie at that point. Right. Um, but you know, I still like. I was very aware of. I don't. I was trying to figure out how he was doing some of these shots, where the camera goes, the spinning of the things. How? What did the actors have to do? Like the technicalness of the movie. I was as aware of as I was of the movie, and, yeah. and I don't know if that's. I don't know why I was doing that, but I was kind of unpacking and unraveling well, the movie Kar- as I'm Karan watching. Karan is building a career now where he makes technology just sort of yeah, disappear. But in Children and Men, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was with Clive Owen. I was, right. I was with them in the car. But I was again, at Michael Caine's retreat in the woods. That was because I mean, it was set on Earth. You know, and it was also the technology disappeared into what was familiar. What technology, though, there was no there technology. There was floating screens and vehicles, and Not you know, really. there, there was they still quite drove a regular cars. There was quite a bit. There yeah. was it was a, it was definitely it wasn't a science that far fiction into the future. film. It was like fifteen years sure. in the future. Sure, so it was but just, he, there was more familiar. I, I think we're saying the same thing. There was more familiar for him to kind of lose like that stuff in. We do like to fight. Children of Men is a bigger, shaggier, more interesting movie oh, filled yeah, with more sure. life. And death, yeah. and misery, and things to think about. Yep. Uh, but gravity was terrific. It's the I, I don't I don't what else well, was better this year? It's as close to an IMAX you know space movie that you can get in a in a sort of uh, dramatic convention like that. You know, like it really did feel like one of these Tom Cruise narrated space flicks. You know, and like that actually would use real astronauts and stuff like that. Apart from some of the sappiness. It looked incredible. There's an impeccable quality to the way that they they crafted the space scenes. It's really impressive. Uh, and I'm not sure about the the claim of having to see it in 3D. I don't really know what the 3D added. I'd have to see it in 2D to yeah. be able to say. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, we I, sat I down. liked it in 3D. Didn't, it I didn't, didn't bother mind me. It, it wasn't yeah. obnoxious. It wasn't yeah. like you know there were things pointing at us yeah. or anything. But I don't know why we need to see it. It's hard for me to say you must see it in 3D. I think it'll work fine in your home on Blu-ray. Yeah. I think it'll be okay. I think yeah. it's I think it's terrific to see on a big screen it feels like an event i think it's probably the strongest movie of the year i can't think i'm trying to think of a better movie yeah it's i mean it could be this it could be not it's not looper it's not looper no no i loved looper so much it's not i don't want to see it again do you want to see it again uh not really yeah yeah it's okay yeah no it was it was really i mean i'll probably watch it on blu-ray i mean speaking of blu-rays i finally watched this is the end on the weekend and i finally watched uh Iron Man 3 on Blu-ray. Okay. Had a fantastic time with both of them. We're going to be reviewing them on the show, so I don't want to... You loved This is the End, and I know that you loved uh, I, Iron I, Man. I liked Iron Man 3 more this time than in the theater, and, and I loved kiss, it. Uh, Jay Baruchel? And Jay Baruchel is amazing. Yeah. He is so funny and so charming and so yeah, likable. Movie. Yeah, and the movie is so balls-out funny, and it kind of completely does a chokehold on... Uh, the the world is the, at the world's end. The world's end. The Edgar Wright movie, yeah. which felt so contrived and forced, and so much of the rallying the, the old gang act, yeah. to get together to. Tr- this is the end. Has a terrific third act. I actually teared up at the end in it, this movie. Like I like the 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 dude. 
love that these guys are able to articulate for it's one so another. It's so funny, yeah. And it ends up being moving, like Superbad. Yeah. Superbad always blindsides me. I never yeah. see that I'm going to get all misty-eyed, and then yeah. I do, but... They've like dropped the, their guards down completely. They do, and, and, they, the and they take the piss out of their whole careers and all of Hollywood and all of the friendships that they've created in Hollywood. And it, yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal picture. And it, you know what? It kind of is like a, it's like the like a Rat Pack era kind of. Uh, uh, collection of talent. Right, you got your A-list guys yeah. who are always in the movie, and then yes. you got your sort of totally. B-list guys, and then there are some C-list guys who kind of are always in the On background the of these yeah. movies. And uh, there's one. I don't know if you got a chance to, to roll up your sleeves and get into the extras yeah, a I little, did. but uh, there's one moment with Paul Rudd and Jason uh, Siegel. Siegel, yeah, where uh, he says, "Okay, now do." Uh, Princess Leia as Chewbacca. <laughs> and so he has this moment where he's just like <laughs> and Paul Rudd just goes, I know. <laughs> so there were laughs even buried into the extras and there are so many extras because these guys just were shooting everything and, yeah. and, and I love... It's hard to believe that they actually made a movie and were able to like get through a working day you know because they, it looked like they but just were, that's the thing like they tried a million different things and they, they were killing themselves laughing the whole time they work, these guys I mean that's the secret like they look like they're having fun in these movies but they're, la- they're, they're laborers like yeah. they are working like if yeah. you look at some of the digressions that they shot even in the, the, my favorite scene in the movie which yeah. is when James Franco confronts Danny McBride about his porn magazine yeah. he's like I like to read quit jacking off in my yeah. magazine <laughs> like, and they're talking about coming over g- each other <laughs> for like, 10 minutes yeah, it goes on. I'm gonna come all over yeah. Yeah. but then you look at the scene in the movie and you look at the actual scene that they shot and that's probably not even all of it they yeah. shot like half of a day yeah. of trying to get well, that scene right well and I love that right. Seth Rogen's the director Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen directed and wrote it together and Vancouver and you, Boys and you see and it's called Point Grey Productions yep. which is awesome but the uh, uh, which is all Vancouver uh, insider stuff but the um, uh, you see him on set in the extras and he's always saying settle Settle right. like he does actually have presence and command. They of, listen to him. Uh, yeah, he really is. He's the shepherd for all of this unbridled talent that is completely and needs to be dangerously out of control. And, and but he knows how to kind of find the tonality so that it you know stays on track and we don't go too far off course. And, and he, we actually get a finished film out of this. He says damn that thing. too. He says that none of this would happen if these guys didn't trust me. Yeah, and they do trust him yeah. because he they they're friends with them. Yeah. They've, they've they've been colleagues for so long. Oh man, and I absolutely uh, loved it. Was just, it. I, I, there's honestly, so much joy in the movie. Yeah, we're talking about three of the best movies right now because Iron Man three is and you're you're taking it home tonight to watch it again. But it is. A phenomenal piece of work as well. Know. Ben Kingsley is incredible. I don't know if it belongs in this, movie. in this group of three. Ah, dude, it's so well made. It's, it's such a adequate. It's such a uh, counter. It's, a, it's unnecessary. It's a counterculture superhero flick. Like it's it's one of these ones where it's it's taking all of the the conventions that you know the Marvel movies have even helped to define, and it's completely bending them on on their ear, and it's completely being. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit subversive, a little bit uh, hidden behind a mask, which is kind of what the message is for Iron Man, anyways. It's who you know, who really is the hero? Is it the mask? Is it the hero? Is it the the, the guy underneath the mask? Which is uh, you know, the the mirror image of that would be the Mandarin, played by uh, Ben Kingsley. And there's a lot of uh, you know, completely uh, poking a stick into it all the way through. The idea of Iron Patriot getting a makeover by the U.S. government. It's smart storytelling, Listen, and it's smart. Obviously, very superhero storytelling. Talking about this, yeah, I was really. I saw really the theaters. Impressed. I was nonplussed. Right, but uh, this is. Let's go over this again. This is my job. I have to take home the Iron Man three Blu-ray tonight. Yep. and watch it, and watch then come all in of it. Yep. and have a discussion with you about it tomorrow. Yep, watch all of it. Okay, now listen, if you would like to have that be your job, call our 1-800 number, <laughs> and you can work for Victor Lucas one day. Oh, oh man, the, uh, yeah, I mean, the effects are incredible. It looks, it looks sensational on a blue So I, I, just a couple of quick things before we uh, get into our special guest today. Yep. Uh, I watched a shit ton of uh, stuff this weekend. Right, good stuff. Uh, or gravity I watched uh, David Chase's first film called Not Fade Away. Not very good. No. Uh, I watched uh, a horror movie that I thought was actually pretty good from director Todd Lincoln called The Apparition. Okay. And it uh, featured my future wife, Ashley Green. Okay. I don't know, man. She is not an unattractive she's, lady. She's pretty. She's really pretty. Uh, and then uh, I watched uh, a documentary from HBO called Roman Polanski, Wanted and Desired. Right. 
and uh, I, I don't know if I enjoyed that. I don't know if that's the way I'd describe it. But I've been trying to watch uh, the show you've been talking about so much yeah. for a couple of years now, yep. Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. And it's available on a streaming service that you can get on your iPhone. <laughs> Netflix, come on. <laughs> it's Netflix. It's and called I gotta Starbucks. Say, I'm three episodes in, maybe about three and a quarter, and uh, I feel miserable watching this show. I don't, I don't, I'm not enjoying it at all. There's, there's a, there's your, a, your, a, your a cat, cheesiness. There is a cheesiness. Yeah. Everything. Yes. I don't buy for one second that these guys are a motorcycle gang. Right. I'm so sick of Charlie Hunnam's stupid face and his greasy hair and his fact that he wants to make uh, the self-righteous campaign to make Sam Crow what it was originally supposed to be yeah and uh and well, ron, ron perlman is the world's worst actor unless he's playing hellboy i don't want to see no him in way. anything that's crap that's, and everything in the show is ter- every character i feel like is cliche i've seen from another show mm. uh all you know all this the, like the violence makes me feel sick they go and they beat up a bunch of carnies after the carnies rape some girl from town like it like it, it does all makes me feel terrible well the only i think you're, you're catching a little bit of the uh, is katie seagal she's the only yeah. one she's excellent you're, ca- she's you're catching a little bit of my uh my uh negativity uh diatribe there like about the, what but talking about the uh how every character on TV these days, everything in media right no, now no, is so I, dark. I don't know if it's that. I, I just, I'm ready for, I like dark characters. I yeah. just, I just, there's an incredibility to yep. all of this. I yep. don't buy it. Well, I don't the, buy their hideout and their wars with other cheesy you're, gangs. You're going to see the, the, the show does start off a little no, inauthentic. I'm, I don't have more than three episodes. At, That's enough. By the end of the first season, you're going to start to <laughs> enjoy it. to the end of the first season. And it does pick up quite a bit in the second and third seasons. Oh my seasons. God, whoever no, is going to get there. They're a good show. I mean, it does go in to be, and become a good kind of show, time. but it does go into the darkest stuff. I'm going to move on to what, Homeland and Scandal and, and Homeland is pretty Luther. Amazing. Yeah, and what's the other one we're supposed to watch? The one with uh, the guy from Deadwood. Oh, uh, Justified. Justified. Justified is a better those. show than Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, really, for sure. I hate the show. Absolutely. The Sons of, Va- Sons of Anarchy. Shit, the acting I, I, is shit. I, I, I would disagree with you. I've enjoyed big chunks of the show. I do agree that it has a bit of a, a shallow start. And it does feel a little phony because these guys have become so big in the media landscape. And the show's successful. It's into its have sixth they? or seventh. I don't seven. recognize anybody. Well, I mean, they've been all over the place. Like, they're all over the internet. They're all over magazine covers and stuff like that. The, the, a lot <laughs> of the Rob pedigree. Trollman on a lot of magazines. A lot of the pedigree from the show, uh, uh, Kurt Sutter is the creator of the show. Uh, I hate the theme music. Came from The Shield, the Chickless show. Have have you watched The Shield? No, I never watched The Shield. That's a better show. It also goes incredibly dark. Why why am I trying to watch this show? There's some really incredible stuff in this. There's some really incredible stuff. Good episodes in season two. Because there's a lot of uh, twists and turns. You know, there's a lot of backstabbing and a lot of. you know, the, these motorcycle crews are organized crime, and there's a lot of interesting kinds of ways into the storytelling, but it does feel like everybody has to put on tough guy face Ugh. and has to show so insincere how badass they are all the time. And it does get a little grating and a little. Uh, I, th- I just can't, you know, yeah, if I, I like Charlie Hunnam more, I would think I'd be more into the show, but he's so unlikable. Well, the, the, the truth. He's, he's a bad actor, too. He, he becomes a lot stronger as you keep watching him. I'm not going to keep watching I mean, watching this is the it. thing. Like, this was his first big I just watched Orange is the New Black. Lead. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Yeah, that was a good show. That was Different a great type of show. show. But, the, you know, this was his first big kick at, at sort of becoming this leading man type character. And uh, I think he grows into the role. He, he does do a good job as Jax. But it takes a little bit of time. Oh, Jax, even his name makes my skin crawl. I know. Oh, the whole fucking show. That's it. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to swear anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't... I am not enjoying this i'm trying to see it's you're not the only one hyped. everybody else has, has raved about this show and i just i can't go any farther well you're seeing a lot of the things that uh, you know i tolerated especially but coming by up the, breaking bad the by last the season, end of right? the fifth season or the last season I why was did just you tolerate like, so much of it though? because there's lots of exciting and interesting little twists and turns all the way along and there are some pretty amazing characters and it's amazing to see just how dark tv can go but then this show crosses the line, and it just gets so disturbing and so... I mean, on, honestly, that's the thing. This is why I'm, I'm sort of 
rallying against this idea of, of us having these anti-heroes and having so many duplicitous scumbags as the leads in all kinds of entertainment that we have right now. This is one of the, the shows that I point at. This is, this is one of the darkest things I've ever seen. And it, uh, they cut a guy's nuts off. It's, and it, they show the nuts. It's so I'm watching despicable. this. I'm in my bed yeah. with my Netflix and my cats all over me. <laughs> and I'm like... No, I'm, t- I'm telling you. This you're is, hearing this. this is awful. You're hearing me you know, rant that. about this echoing in you your ears. I love my anti-heroes. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot in this, though. It's like, there, who do you... I think we, you know, these shows need to work a little harder to bring some character of virtue well, into them. I think about Game of Thrones and I think about the fact that Ned Stark was the moral compass on yeah. that show. And when or his, his children head, now too. When his head got cut off, yeah. I was so lost. I've right. never had a more lost TV moment in my yes. life. Yeah. And and I'm I don't know who's the good I guess maybe that doctor who used to be part of the gang and now she's working as the doctor you probably don't even remember there's a doctor in the hospital. Yeah of course I do. And is she the moral compass? I, I don't know. Maybe I don't. Do I need one? I don't know. Is there one in Mad Men? I, I don't know. That's the thing, right? I, I, and I, I, I'm certainly find Mad Men more watchable than this. I mean, I, this honestly, is almost unwatchable. I think this and it's is so why, low rent, too. dude. It's so I think small. I think this is why superhero movies are so cherished. I ah. really do. I mean, so much of what we see is about uh, you know whether it's reality TV and it's all just like. You know, take somebody else out so that you can be the star on something, you know, or vote somebody else off the island so that you can be the, the, the winner of this thing. Everybody's got to be the winner of reality well, TV. Maybe this is it. Okay. You know, or it's, uh, you know, follow your favorite scumbag for a whole maybe season as they it. kill people. We live in the era of, of like, right? Yeah. Everybody goes on Facebook every day. You like me. I yeah. like you. We like each other. We need scapegoats. We need, the, we need to point the finger. And maybe that's what TV, maybe that's rise of the antihero is sort of in response to the, the rise of social media and how we're all like propping each other up, up and telling each other how awesome they are every day and celebrating our accomplishments. But maybe our focus on terrible people, maybe it's become a, almost like a biological necessity. Maybe we need to have think, people to hate. I don't think there's a psychological thing behind this. I think that there is a, a money-chasing thing around this. And I think that people... Uh, um, well, we need different flavors. These are we flavors do need we flavors. haven't had before. And I think that, that TV producers need to take some, some bigger risks now. I don't think that everybody can just follow The Sopranos. I don't think they can do that forever and ever. Well, that's you know? it. I'm out on the show. You know? Or this, 24. This, I'm leaving it's, this, this let's, sh- let's try some new stuff. My you know? hog is taking off, and in the rearview mirror, yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. That's it. Well, I just, what did I just read about? There was some uh, new cop show that... Uh, I don't know, it was just some preposterous thing. We just read about it on EP. And maybe it'll be a good show, but it was like some some witch comes from back from the, the future and then and partners up the with a cop and then they chase everybody. Sounds kinda awesome. <laughs> I mean it was I think just, I might like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Sherlock's pretty incredible. Have you watched the Sherlock no, show? No, no, it's in my queue on That's my, pretty uh, that streaming service that I subscribe to yes. that I watch yes. on my iPad. Uh, Okay, well, you know what? Let's turn the tables on all of this, these negative uh, TV heroes, and let's yes. talk about a virtuous video game hero. Oh, his, GTA. His Michael. Name, no, Michael? his name is Rusty. Franklin. He's oh. a robot, and he stars in a game oh. called Steam World Dig. This is that robot turtle that just wants to dig holes. We'd like to welcome to the show, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to botch his name, Brian Sigurdsson, and he is standing by, <laughs> he's laughing at me, standing by in Gothenburg, Sweden. Now, Gothenburg, I believe... Has a Batman in it. <laughs> That's what we've heard. <laughs> Brian, tell us how to pronounce your, your name for real, okay? Okay, hi guys, first. Uh, all right, so the name is pronounced Briaut Sigurgerson. Yeah. Can you that, do that? Uh, Briaut Sigurgerson. Oh, you got it. Yes. Achievement unlocked. You nailed it. Very all nice. right, okay, I've heard it about six times, so now I'm almost getting it. Is Brian on the show? I'm just going to call him Brian because I can't. Yeah, Brian is something is a little bit easier for us. Brian is on the show because Scott and I are addicted to Brian's game. It is called uh, SteamWorld Dig. That's right. And it's a 3DS eShop game that completely took us by surprise and by storm when we were traveling across to Tokyo. So long, free time. (laughs) And and so I tweeted about it, and I think, Brian, you uh, responded to my tweet. Yeah, that's right. I um, I have this habit of of uh, 
uh, going on Twitter about 23 <laughs> hours in the day. And so whenever anybody Guilty. tweets anything about SteamWorld, I, I try to sort of butt into the conversations. <laughs> right, well, let, let's talk about this game. This isn't your first game, but we'll talk about some of your other games in a, in a little bit. But uh, tell me, what was the inspiration for this uh, robot turtle? <laughs> okay. All right. First, um, Scott, you have this thing about the robot turtle. It's it's not a turtle, okay? <laughs> let's, let's get that. What is it? A hare? <laughs> no, a hare is a rabbit. What is it? It's a. What is it then? It's not a. It, it is a robot. It's it's it's, it's not just a turtle. A, no, it's like a humanoid. <laughs> it's shaped like a turtle. He, he I was going to say humanoid turtle, but it's it's a humanoid robot that. Sort of, um, okay, let, let me tell you about the inspiration for it first. And okay. Then maybe it sort of falls into place. I think you should okay. put a turtle into the sequel. Just saying. Yeah, well, the thing is that there is a turtle in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play him. He's one of the baddest. Oh, okay. Oh, You're ruining surprises. Turtles are bad. All right. All right well, what's gonna, what's the inspiration? Tell, yeah, give the lowdown on that. It's... Uh, um, thing is that in 2010 we made a, a game for the Nintendo DSi or the DSiWare store called um, SteamWorld Tower Defense. That's right. And it was it was sort of a simple effort. Uh, we wanted to just we wanted to make a game for the Nintendo DS, and then uh, to make it simple for ourselves, we decided to make a, um, a tower defense game. And then we thought, okay, maybe we can do some role re reversal here so that the uh, robots are the good guys and uh, the humans are the bad guys. And then when we had put that game out and it got, it got fairly good reviews, we were sort of spending our lunch breaks uh, thinking, wondering how this world had come about where you have like human uh, hillbilly lowlifes <laughs> trying to steal all the gold from these hardworking uh, good guys that were the robots i mean what really what is up with that so uh, so we we sort of on every lunch break we would sort of add to the story behind uh, steam world and then finally we actually had a pretty credible story going going on about these robots and uh, then we decided to okay let's let's see what we can do uh, if we can't sort of expand on this and make a new game and then we came up with steam world dig and told just a little bit of the backstory in uh, uh, in SteamWorld Dig. So the SteamWorld story is still out there, and we're sort of saving it for the games to come. Oh, wow. So uh, let's talk about the little overworld town that your humanoid robot... Is, it, is that a redundancy, a humanoid robot? Yeah, your little robot, your robot digger. We'll talk about the town. Yeah. yeah. So in the town, there's a, there's a cute robot who I'm sure at some point you get to kiss in the game. I haven't finished it yet. And then next door lives her dad. And then further down is what I believe is a whorehouse. <laughs> There's an old lady who runs what seems to be a, a brothel. A robot brothel. Yeah, yeah. right? And yeah. so there are some... I don't, is that accurate? Is that was she supposed to seem like a madam? Because that's the way she came across to me. Well, you know, there, there are a couple of things in the game that sort of... <laughs> surprises us as well. I mean, afterwards, well, I don't know if one of, if either of you have, has thought about this, that actually in the beginning of the game, he finds, uh, I mean, the, the main protagonist, the robot, his name is Rusty, and the game starts out with him finding his dead uncle mm -hmm. down in the mines. Now, why do robots have uncles? <laughs> <laughs> That's so if a, ro if a robot can have an uncle, uh, can't there be like a, a madam running a robot brothel? We're all for it, yeah. yeah. I think that's what Scott connected with when he started playing the game. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but she is. She's sort of the stereotype of the madam running the saloon, yeah. And so you, you created a game that, to us, and I think you may have seen the review, it, it kind of evokes a little uh, um, Metroid or a little Castlevania, but also a little Dig Dug. Uh, was, were those your main sort of gameplay mechanic inspirations, or were you trying to loop in a little bit of everything that you've loved about platformers? Well, that's a very good question. I think uh, we all very much like Metroid and, and sort of wanted that uh, mechanic where you where you sort of get the upgrades just when you need them, so to speak. You you get an upgrade and then you sort of have to learn how to use that upgrade before you can go on into the game 
any further. I mean, this game is at the same time pretty open-ended. So if you decide not to get an upgrade, you don't have to. But uh, yeah, the game sort of gets very much easier if you decide to sort of pick it up and 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 bring it along uh, as you go down the mine. Yeah. Yeah. So they. To answer the question in full there, uh, there are so many classic, wonderful games that were made uh, uh, such a long time ago and, uh, and and even more recent ones. I mean, uh, I for one, I, I just loved Dig Dug when it came out. I, I'm, I, I'm probably old enough to be both of your, <laughs> nope. the father of both of you. Nope. But, <laughs> nope. But, <laughs> but the thing is that when Dig Dug came out, Dig Dug came out to the arcades. I just thought it was, just sort of blew me away that you could make such an excellent little game. It was just so simple, so beautiful. Nice. One of the so, thing, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, please, please go ahead, Scott. Yeah. No, I, one of the things that I think we all fell in love with when it came to Dig Dug, and I think it's the thing that SteamWorld Dig reminded us of, is the fact that when you dig down into this world, you find yourself actually changing this world, mm. and it feels like uh, it feels like self-expression, and and I feel it feels like you're leaving your mark on this world. Yeah, you're the level designer. Right. It's, Exactly. I think that's uh, that's one of the beauties of the game that you're actually making the map as you go along. There's nothing. I mean, the, it's it's a totally open playfield when when you start the game. There's not a dent has been made in, into this uh, earth, and it's it's up to you which way you want to go. And so we. That's one of the things that we really wanted in the game, uh, just to keep it. Just let the player decide. I mean, the player is intelligent enough to sort of figure out when, uh, when he's he or she is going to do uh, whatever she, whatever needs to be done. I mean, in the beginning, we had sort of elaborate uh, tutorial sequences, telling people, "Oh, you use this by doing this, etc." And sort of, but then we we decided to take it out just to. Uh, People will figure it out. I mean, you can trust the player enough to to let them do that. Yeah, well, we certainly, I mean, we're a, a smart crowd that has been well-educated in the vernacular of playing video games right now. But there's also a whole sort of economic change that's happening with video games. And you have got this game right now exclusively on the Nintendo eShop. And I'm wondering, you know, why you made that decision? Because it's a pretty robust game. Why isn't there a publisher involved and why isn't it on cartridge? Or is this the better direction cartridge. for you guys to go? You know, because for, for the 3DS. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, we, uh, we thought we had a lot of different scenarios from the beginning, actually. Yeah. We, um, um, but as it turned out, I mean, we started developing this game in, in October 2012 and sort of finished it up in, in June 2013 when basically when all the money was gone. Right. So uh, <laughs> at that point, we were sort of, we were thinking, uh, um, is this game big enough to put on a cartridge? And we were not, we didn't have the self-confidence to do that. Mm. And also... We felt that if we're just going to do it on the eShop, then we can do it ourselves. Right. Uh, if we if we're going to do everything with cartridges and so on, we we have to have a publisher because we don't have that machinery, we don't have that organization uh, to do that. Well, how's it working so, out on the eShop? Are enough people buying and finding and discovering this awesome game? Well, I think enough people are discovering it, and uh, a few more should be buying it. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to help, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think um, uh, I think it'll work out, um, and maybe, without saying too much, maybe that's not where it sort of ends up either. It's uh, uh, maybe we have some other things, uh, some other avenues that we'd like to uh, stroll down in the in the near future. But we'll see how that goes, and we'll announce when we get there. But one thing is that. Um, we're putting out a Japanese version of Steam World Dig. It's coming out uh, hopefully by the end of October. It, we're we're all done, and now uh, Nintendo of Japan is they're looking at it right now. That's awesome. What uh, you know? What I uh, love about this fiction that you've created is you keep alluding to the fact that you guys have already kind of invented a larger world in which this is just one little 
part of the world. This is just a little glimpse, a little snapshot. And I, I like the fact that you guys are planning something bigger here. It reminds me a little bit of Lorne Lanning. Yeah, and his uh, odyssey and the way that he wasn't just thinking in terms of one game. He was thinking in terms of a series of games. And uh, is it is it, let's talk a little bit about the development scene in Sweden these days. I mean, are you guys in a part of Sweden that is kind of a hotbed for game development or are you guys kind of isolated out there? Oh, that's an excellent question, Scott. Actually, there were two two questions in there. Maybe you didn't notice, but <laughs> yeah, I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> the first one there is uh yeah it's it's very much just a, a small part of what we're sort of planning for for steamworld the next game in the series we've already started developing and it's not going to be your direct sequel to steamworld dig mm. maybe some people are disappointed to hear that but but we're not i mean we're we're really excited about this next thing it's obviously it, it's it's in steamworld and uh, a few mechanics from the game will be from Steamworld Dig will be in that game, but uh, we'll do a lot of new stuff as well. And uh, I've I've gone through the first playable, and and I, I just want to say that I'm very excited. It, it's it's really exciting to play. And the second one there, uh, if we're in a hotbed or if we're isolated, and uh, there, Gothenburg is the second biggest city in Sweden, mm. and there are three sort of big. Uh, cities in all of Sweden and it's obviously it's Stockholm uh, and then Gothenburg and then Malmö which is at the very far south and Malmö is very very close to Copenhagen there's just a there's a bridge uh, between there when they built that bridge Malmö and Copenhagen became this just fantastic hub for a lot of things and uh, computer games is one of them now Stockholm uh, has a lot of people and uh, a lot of uh, big mm, game developers already there. So uh, you have great development in Malmö and in Stockholm. Now Gothenburg is sort of very much in between, both geographically and sort of if you have two mountains uh, of of Malmö and Stockholm, then you have a valley in between in Gothenburg. So you could say that uh, you don't succeed because you're from Gothenburg, but sort of in spite of being in Gothenburg. Well, that's, that's kind of uh, analogous to, to Australia as well, between Sydney and uh, Perth and Melbourne. I think that there are a couple of big centers in Australia. and uh, But, you know, development can happen anywhere. I, I think you just have to have the passion for it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's And the right people, obviously. Uh, if, if I just take the opportunity to say that all all the people at Image Inform are just exceptional. So, yeah. So, so uh, Brian, I, I uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of digging that you need to do in order to complete this game. And um, uh, there are lots of things that Vic and I haven't discovered. And there are lots of things that I think a lot of gamers won't discover. Uh, are there any secrets in the game that uh, maybe you're waiting for gamers to uncover? Because it seems like there's a big world down there and I haven't quite seen it all yet. Well, <clears throat> there is the story is with all the freedom that we've given to the players, you could still say that it's sort of a linear game. It has a defined beginning and a defined end. Mm. But then, yeah, there is stuff there that not everybody will discover. Definitely not on their first um, run down the mines. I think uh, that's sort of. That's a good thing for replayability in this game. Are there any because, Easter eggs or uh, graffiti or anything like that that you guys personally put in there? Yeah, actually, there is. There, There is a bit of graffiti. And uh, for Easter eggs, I'd say that we're sort of flirting with a lot of, um, a lot of uh, things that appear in other games, but also things that appear in movies and so on. And it's, it's sort of fun. We see that on, on Facebook and Twitter. People are sort of finding these things and they're saying... Okay, I love the reference to blah, 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 and so on. Right. I'd say maybe there are like uh, some 15 Easter eggs in the game, and they're not sort of congratulations, here's the Easter egg, but rather if you find it and you smile a little, that's that's sort of your reward for finding it. Yeah. Awesome. Let's, let's find out a little bit about your company, uh, Image and Form. Uh, I mean, what's your background, Brian? Where do you come from? Have you worked in video games for a long time, or is this uh, a startup that that uh, you've helped to found? And 
and uh, like a new life direction for you. Like, how, what's your history? Sure. And bear with me now. Okay, I'll, I'll try to keep this very short. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, in the, at the end of uh, the 80s, in 89, I sort of, I was at a loss. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was 21, and I was, um, I'd sort of spent my time uh, studying a lot of computer science and programming. But I had this computer... <laughs> A programming teacher in in high school who on the first day he told us that sorry guys uh, now it's 1983 and uh, all good programs have already been written so maybe <laughs> you could just make copies <laughs> so it was sort of a letdown right and so I, I sort of went through high school with that sort of ominous thing hanging over me that I'm not going to be able to do anything original here. <laughs> and so I, I sort of went in a totally different direction in, in university and then I sort of uh, bailed out because it was just too boring. So at the end of the, in 89, I, I decided to, um, for, for a lot of reasons, I went to Japan and I, I was going to be there for six months so I could sort of finance a backpack trip through the rest of Asia. <clears throat> but then I, I sort of ended up staying there for six years instead. And uh, in 1991, uh, I was working at a translation agency and, and Apple put out System 7. And, and in Japan, it just totally it became such a, such a hype around, uh, around Apple and, uh, and the Macintosh. And lots of people were getting it. And, uh, and uh, the CEO at this company where I was working, he said that, listen, yes, until yesterday we were a translation agency, but from today we're a multimedia company. Mm. And so, Brian, I heard that you did some programming before, so please, now you're the lead programmer. Is that okay with you? And then I got sort of the, uh, <laughs> the manual for, uh, for uh, Macromedia Director, and uh, that was like version 2.0 back in the early 90s. And then I sort of kept working in Japan with that. And then I moved to San Francisco for two years and kept working with it. And then in 97, we uh, moved home. And I, w I was about to just get a job as a multimedia programmer in Sweden. But then it turned out I got all the jobs that I applied for. So I decided if I'm, if I'm this hot shit, then probably I could, just, I could probably just start my own company. And so I did. And then in... in <laughs> <laughs> 2002 for five six years we didn't do any games but then uh, then we started making kids games in 2002 and then we did that kids game on uh, games on pc and mac until 2008 2009 and then we sort of and then i was sort of the lead program for that as well but then i hired some really i heard some people that were better than me. I was going to say really talented people, but they were better than me, yeah, at least. <laughs> That's the secret, they, right? Yeah, well, it was pretty simple yeah. to be that. So then we sort of got into iOS development, and uh, we, uh, we, did a, a, we tried out a few things, and then in 2011 we put out an iOS game called Antil, which was a huge success. It was... It was it was great. We were lucky. We were featured by Apple, and it sold really well. Nice. So then we thought we were awesome and couldn't do anything wrong. So uh, in, in 2012, we sort of spent a lot of time making prototypes that refused to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, games are hard, man. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, at the – so in, uh, in October 2012, we, we started making SteamWorld Dig. Right on. And, and that time we decided we – let's just spend very much time on this. Let's yeah. give it the time it needs. Not, let's not try to do something in three months. Well, this is the part of the show when I psychoanalyze you. And, uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, after hearing all of that and getting all of that information, you're a restless soul. That we know. Uh -huh. You've moved around okay. a lot. You've seen a lot of the world. Uh, and you also sound like somebody who overreaches. You go for, you want more in your life than you have, and you realize that the only way, I'm like a fortune teller, yeah. the only way you're ever going to get it is by working with people who are better than you and trying to make things that are borderline impossible. Right. Right. 
So a PS4, Xbox One version of SteamWorld, mm -hmm. and iOS is coming soon. Right, okay. Thank right? you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Make all that happen. We'll wait. Just keep going. Thanks for laying out the, uh, the yellow brick road for me. <laughs> yeah, That's it's that easy, man. Yeah. That's all, like, it's all there okay. for you right there. And I, we, I guess we need a Steam version of SteamWorld. That would make sense. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. How big is your team, Brian? Get on it. At Image and Form. <laughs> we'll get on it. Okay. <laughs> the team is, now Now it's 12 of us. Uh, 11 full-time staff and one intern. Awesome. And they're all, all just brilliant people. So 11 people made SteamWorld dig? Yeah. Actually, when we started, I think we were eight. And then we sort of needed some more people. And then we, so we became 11 yeah, we were at 11 the last Great. two months. Bravo. Seriously, incredible work. That's awesome. Thank well, you. listen, we are huge fans, and we, we think everybody should be playing SteamWorld Dig. My one thing that I said in the review is that I hope it comes out for more platforms because it's a terrific game and eShop's great and it's a fantastic fit on the, on the 3DS, but it should be available to everybody. So hopefully you're making that come true. But I, I'm looking forward to sequels, man. And also, uh, for being on uh, the show today, we are going to send you a complimentary plaid shirt. Yeah, so that's right. That. Yeah. You're gonna be, yeah, you'll be getting... <laughs> it's, 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 it'll either be blue or red. That's right. <laughs> oh, I can't decide. Can I get a purple one, maybe? Like a mix? <laughs> you probably have a purple one. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, you, I'll get a purple All one. Right. <laughs> you rock, Brian. Great Thanks, to meet Brian. you. And sorry for butchering Thank your you. name, man. Yeah. Please give all of Sweden a hug from us. We will. Okay. We gotta go Thank visit. I know, we have to go visit. We're coming over. Do you have room in your house? Right. Yeah, you yeah. can stay here, most definitely. Okay, we'll be there in two weeks. Two weeks, lovely. <laughs> I'll tell my wife. <laughs> All right, see you later. Thanks, Brian. Thank Cheers, you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. See you soon. Bye. So that was Brian from, uh, if I forget Image how to say. Form. Image and Form. but I forget how to say his last name. Segundo. Names. No, it's not Segundo. That's how I say it. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize, Brian, but we sure love your game. What does that mean in Spanish, Segundo? Is it Tuesday? Second? I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've got to learn some more languages. Is it too late for us? We're terrible. We <laughs> our brains are just so hard. <laughs> Nothing can even get in there anymore. But, but SteamWorld did got into our heart. It did. It yes. did, even though Sons of Anarchy didn't. So nope. let's go over this again. Gravity, go see, machete kills, Go see with yeah. a mask on. <laughs> uh, but download uh, SteamWorld Dig. Yep. Uh, I say uh, you, you love well, Iron we're gonna, Man Three. We're going to be reviewing uh, on the show, the but end. we're kind of revealing Absolutely. it. Yeah, buy uh, Iron Man Three and buy this, is, this the is the end of Blu-ray and listen to uh, Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd uh, reenact your favorite scene from Star Wars. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you, Sony, for sponsoring. Uh, thanks Big for Space sending Man. mine, yeah. Sony. I love my PlayStation Four. You don't have it yet. But well, we can't wait till we it's do. In the, it's in my room. Let's go. We'll get it to make waffles. Okay. Well, it comes out November 15th. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. So long.